772-1213 or visit ssa.gov slash ssikids to learn how to apply today. That's ssa.gov slash ssikids. It's real help for the children. Message produced by Social Security at U.S. taxpayer expense. The opinions voiced in this show are for general information only and are not intended to provide specific advice or recommendations for any individual. To determine which investments may be appropriate for you, consult your attorney, accountant, financial advisor, or tax advisor prior to investing. This show contains forward-looking statements that may not come true. Securities Investment Advisory Services offered through Grove Point Financial, member FINRA SIPC, Grove Point Financial, and Kelchin Associates are unaffiliated companies. And folks, this program is intended for Wisconsin residents only. Well, good morning and welcome to Saturday. I'm Tom King in the studio. Merle Kelch joining us on location today from the Palatial Kelch Estate in northern Wisconsin. Good morning, sir. Uh, Don't tell me we're already having problems with you. Good morning, sir. Well, good morning, Tom. Well, there he is. There he is. Okay. I'm here. I thought we were having more uh, technical problems, but apparently we are connected to the Palatial Kelch Estate in northern Wisconsin, or as Merle likes to describe it, a, a shack in the woods. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> you said there's some snow up there this morning we're dealing with. We have a little bit of snow and a little bit of flurries coming down. It's actually uh, quite beautiful, so we're enjoying it a great deal. All right. Well, let's talk, first of all, I mean, the, the big uh, elephant in the room is the market with the big rebound this past mm-hmm. week. Um, and uh, the inflation rate coming down, mortgage rates coming down, and the market was up big time. So uh, are, have we turned a corner? Have, uh, are we getting that uh, dead cat bounce? Are we moving back in a positive direction? Well, you know, I think the dead cat bounce has already happened at one previous point in time. I don't know if this is the uh, the turning the corner, but it certainly continues to you know to point towards the things we've talked about you know, essentially all summer. You know, the economists that I read and, and the places that I look at have said all along that, you know, because the economy has continued to keep moving forward and companies have continued to keep making profit, that if we get some sort of a turnaround in inflation, we should see that market bounce because the market then would be undervalued, according to many of the economists that we've seen. And uh, that appears to be the case at this point in time. You know, of course, um, uh, the unemployment number, and I have an article here in front of me from uh, CBS Market Watch, let me make sure I cite that. Uh, with Jeff Cox. Um, inside of the article, he just kind of summarized everything here, folks, by the way. So in here, inflation, of course, um, came down at 7.7% um, versus the uh, previous uh, month at 8.2%. Um, and showing that inflation drops and it was down more than expected, and of course, the market said, hey, maybe we're not as bad as we think, and maybe things are going to get better inside of December, and we'll have a less of an interest rate increase in December. I don't think that's going to be the case. I think we're still going to go up to half a point that's uh, kind of prescribed in this thing. But all in all, uh, the market is responding as was expected because inflation seems to be backing up. And it's not just the Dow. It was the S&P 500. It was also NASDAQ. So all three up uh, significantly this week. In fact, the NASDAQ, I think, had a record day at 7.4%, I think it was on Thursday. Um, I mean, just a record, tremendous day up. And so... You know, we look at this, Tom, and we've said so many times, you can't have that knee-jerk reaction and start, you know, dealing with emotion when it comes to investing because when it starts going up, you, you might miss it, and this would be one of those cases. And you think about it, for many people, you're down 20% throughout the course of the year, and now you just missed, you know, throughout the course of the past five or six weeks, almost a 10% up marketplace. And and so if you did a knee-jerk reaction, you pulled out, you just missed that, so you had the loss plus, you missed the, the rise coming up. So it's it's uh, the math continues to keep showing that 
the better place or the better thing to do when markets drop like this is just to hang in there. It's a better direction than uh, jumping out and, and having that knee-jerk reaction, certainly. Well, I guess there were a couple of things on the negative side we could talk about a little bit. I know one, you'll want to do the uh, See I Told You So dance around the Maypole up there, and that was uh, FTC or FTX, excuse me, uh, a cryptocurrency company that not only was pretty big, it advertised on the umpire's uniforms in major league baseball it sponsored the uh the uh, arena in miami that the heat play in and apparently that's going to be ending now because ftx all of a sudden the money has disappeared and the country or the company is on the brink of bankruptcy um huh. and who, uh, knew? <laughs> who yeah. knew merle knew Weird. merle said for for months <laughs> that uh anyway some years, of the other, brother years yeah okay some of yeah, the other yeah. cryptocurrency companies are now saying that the uh, market in cryptocurrency does need to be regulated and controlled in some way uh so yeah, how does yeah. that happen well you know if an investment is an investment it's an investment um and 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 in that there has to be certain sort of standards that go through and, and so it appears and and again i don't know but from my reading it appears as though that money coming into FTX was being spent on things rather than the profit of money coming in being spent on things. So, um, you know, it's weird because they put this guy in jail. His name was Madoff for doing the same thing. Ah. You know, weird. Um, so, so I think there's a lot of problems going in. But we've seen that happen in cryptocurrency for time and time again. You have uh, dark money going in, and, and cryptocurrency is a mo- place to put money from left to right, uh, shift money across the world with uh, cryptocurrencies. Um, uh, FTX, of course, appears again. Just appears from from the reading of things going on is that you know they uh, took money in from uh, was supposed to be invented, invested with client dollars, and that money was going back out to political camp, political campaigns as well as uh, for advertising dollars and that whole bit. And, and you can't do that. I mean, you can't use client dollars and combing all the dollars, and that appears to be the case. Um, so you know the unfortunate part is without regulation. You can't go through with FTX and say, well, all cryptocurrencies have to have a board of directors. All cryptocurrencies have to have a certain uh, accounting type of thing um, because there's no regulation. And so um, where everybody wanted to have cryptocurrency because it didn't have regulation, and, and as you said, and what humors me is that all people are saying, well, geez, maybe there should be some regulation inside of cryptocurrency. Well, ta-da, there you go. And I think when that comes in, other people are going to realize it's just basically it, it's a computer program, folks. There's not, uh, there's no real assets behind the cryptocurrency, and it's not really an actual investment. If we look at the uh, the owner um, of of FTX, this uh, Sam uh, Bankman Freed was his name. Yeah, he um, resigned. Yeah, he had a net worth of 16 billion with a B uh, billion dollars last week, and now it's zero. You know, so boy, it's a difficult thing. Uh, it's tough, um, but it's not a real investment in the cryptocurrency marketplace. Um, and, uh, you know, there's a whole bunch of investors and celebrities and everybody else that bought into this stuff. And, and, and boy, it's just not an investment. There you was know, a time it when really happens. there was a time when people lost that much money in that short amount of time. They would take a dive off a building. Uh, is that is that something that we need to put a watch on him uh, in order? I mean, it's, it's, <laughs> well, it's, we'll it's, see. I'm guessing there's probably some people that hope he does. Yeah. You yeah. know, um, it's. It's uh, it's an interesting thing. You know, he was a major uh, donor to political parties throughout the course of this year. And the unfortunate part is it doesn't does appear as though it wasn't his money that he was donating. It was uh, the people who were investing inside of it with new dollars. And he was taking those dollars and, and investing it and, and putting the money in different places and campaigns and 
things that would further his uh, his cause. I want to talk. Know? I want to talk about um, Social Security here because as a financial uh, planner for people's retirement, you've got to work Social Security into the mix. Now I know that Social Security was never intended to be a person's only source of retirement income. Um, and that it was supposed to be for, you know, emergencies and to keep people from being destitute. And for many people, um, it has become that um, a major Mm -hmm. source of their retirement, uh, for better or worse. So when there are politicians who are talking about, you know, changing Social Security in a drastic way, now, I don't think that they'll ever be able to get rid of social security totally like that. Yep. And that's been bandied about, but certainly if you change the age where you can draw on social security, if you put a top end on the age where you can get social security, if you look, if you have the politicians control the purse strings and look at it every couple of years to determine whether or not it should be funded, those are danger signs for a program that is the lifeblood for millions of people in this country. So what do you tell your clients when they come in and have questions about the, you know, the viability of Social Security going yeah. forward and what that means for their retirement? Well, interestingly enough, Tom, is we had um, somebody who actually uh, does a lot of work with the Social Security Administration and doing a lot of the math and actuarials as a speaker. I was in D.C. this past week. Uh, for a conference, and so he was one of our keynote speakers and talked about that. And it's what's interesting about this is that, you, you know, you hit it right on the head. First of all, Social Security was never designed um, to be your retirement plan. It was designed to be a supplement for old age. And and so when Social Security first came around in 1943, when the first checks kind of came out, and if you want to know if it's a little bit of a tidbit uh, and trivia here, Ida Mae Fuller was the first person to receive a check, by yeah. the way. There you mm-hmm. go, Tom. Yep. Um, and when she received that money, it was designed to be a check to help supplement old age in case to make sure you had some money. And and when she received that money, uh, it was at her age 65. There was no 62 or 63. It was age 65, and that was it. But your life expectancy at that point in time was, I think, like 2.7 years. And so you received it at 68, but the life expectancy, most people don't realize, was at, you know about 70. Well, our life expectancy got a lot older, you know, uh, and, and, and we're getting a lot older, and Social Security never adjusted for that. And so then along the way, they said, well, you can start collecting at 62, of course, a discounted amount, as we all know. Um, but the age of Social Security being an old age plan uh, never continued to forward with the ages. Of course, we started some years ago that full Social Security now is no longer 65. It's now 67, and I think we still have a few years to go before everybody starts getting up to the 67 mark. So it's been proposed by Congress to make it so that that full retirement age now becomes 70, which would mean, you know, maybe that perhaps the people that are still in their uh, single digits or teen years, uh, they receive full Social Security would start at age 70, and maybe or maybe not, they would start receiving at 62. Um, And so that's been kind of the general uh, direction and conversation, even with the speakers that we had had. Uh, throughout the course of this week, that appears to be the direction that's going to end up having to happen and go. On a selfish sidelight, do the yeah. people that are already turned have already turned sixty-five and started taking Social Security? Are they grandfathered in? Well, the conversation that they had in there is that most people who are about age fifty-five and over today, thank God I made that. I'm sorry. <laughs> um, <laughs> um, the people age fifty-five and over today, um, everything would remain as is. But the sixty-five and old, younger. Um, might have some sort of a change in that, that they might end up having to 
wait until a little bit older age until you receive that full retirement. That appears to be the case. Now, I was sitting there with my assistant at the conference, and I'm sending her notes. I said, you know, don't bet on Social Security. I'm sending her notes along the way, and she's looking at me going, what? Well, I mean, but what's so infuriating is these politicians are are doing this, pandering to their to their voters. And yet, if they would just replace all of the money that they've taken out of the Social Security program over the years for other things, uh, it would be it would be completely funded and there wouldn't be a problem. And that's what what annoys a lot of people. I mean, Social Security politicians see Social Security as a benefit that is given out to people. And the people who get Social Security say, hey, wait a minute, we paid for this over the years. This is not a benefit. This is this is our money that we want coming back to us. Well, Tom, the old joke is that the Social Security Trust Fund is is is, is all trust. There's no fund. Yeah. You know, yeah. and uh, I remember uh, Gore saying that we're going to put a lockbox on. Well, there's there's no lockbox. There's nothing inside of the box. It's empty. Um. So anyway, um, uh, that uh, very much uh, is an issue, and it's going to be an issue coming up. So one of the proposals that uh, is out there floating right now is that to fix Social Security and Medicare as it might be throughout the course of the next few years. Uh, to fix it, we're going to end up all having an increase in our taxes of some 4.3%, I believe is the number. I'm going from memory here, not notes. Um, and so so, so that we, we might all end up having to have an increase in our taxes. You mean an increase in Social so, Security taxes that come out of your paycheck? Yeah, yeah it comes up from our paychecks, yeah, correct. Yeah, yeah. correct. Um, and, and so that very well might have to be the case as we're coming along. So I used to make a joke uh, when I would do a lot of um, public classes and say that you know part of the Social Security Administration's new uh, payments you're going to receive is also going to come a carton of smokes. They want to get you back hooked on something that's going to get your actuarial numbers down, but uh, that's, that's probably not going to be the case. Um, but, you Rob. know, Social Security is going to be um, an issue coming up and an issue coming up soon. And unfortunately, our politicians do not want to address this because it's going to be unpopular uh, for them voting, trying to get, uh, you know, back into their uh, their seats. But it is it is something that has to be addressed, and this has to be addressed like too sweet. I mean, soon it's got to get done. All right. We're going to take a break here. 715-845-2155. If you have a question from Merle, give us a call here this morning. We'll be right back on WSAU. November is National Lung Cancer Awareness Month. Lung cancer is a leading cause of cancer-related death in the U.S. Black Americans are especially at risk for lung cancer and have a greater chance of dying from it. If you have been exposed to cancer two, three, four times today. Who knows what's going to happen? Central Wisconsin's News Talk, WSAU. The opinions voiced in this show are for general information only and are not intended to provide specific advice or recommendations for any individual. To determine which investments may be appropriate for you, consult your attorney, accountant, financial advisor, or tax advisor prior to investing. This show contains forward-looking statements that may not come true. Securities Investment Advisory Services offered through Grove Point Financial, member FINRA SIPC, Grove Point Financial, and Kelchin Associates are unaffiliated companies. And folks, this program is intended for Wisconsin residents only. And we're back. I'm Tom King in the studio. Merle Kelch joins us from northern Wisconsin, but he can take your phone call, 715-845-2155. In a few minutes here before our news break, I wanted to dive into Elon Musk because this story just is fascinating to me that a guy who is supposedly a savant, is supposedly one of the smartest guys around, could have misread the situation with Twitter so badly that now he's talking about taking a company that he just paid 44, what was it, $44 billion for yeah, yeah. To, and, and declaring bankruptcy. I mean, yeah. how could a guy misread the situation this badly, a guy that's supposed to be smart? You know, I, I'm not sure if he, re- he, he did read it that badly. I think he just didn't know how bad it actually was. He knew there were problems all along the way and uh, and that kind of thing, but 
you know, the, I think the thing he's trying to do is he's got to get it straightened out. Well, but, and, uh, but the decisions he's made here in the last couple of weeks are causing Twitter to hemorrhage customers. I mean, the things he has said, the things he has done, and then the, charging the eight dollars for for people to quote unquote. Oh, by the way, he's already changed his mind on that. Well, well yeah, no. because yeah, because yeah. so many people were using uh, the eight dollar pay in to. Uh, pretend to be someone they're not and uh, sure. causing more and more fake accounts to be happening. I mean, this this has been mishandled. First of all, he wasn't going to buy the company, which is fascinating to me. He wasn't going to buy the company. Stations. He's Three suing minutes. He's suing to avoid buying the company and then all of a sudden did a 360 and decided, well, I am going to buy it and I'm going to pay full price what I what I offered for it. Something yeah. happened there, to, in my opinion, that made that decision change like that. and And now all of a sudden it's completely falling apart. I, I just don't get it. Well, you know, we had this conversation to a certain degree once in the past and uh, once before. And, and I think, I think his reasoning for using a platform on Twitter and what he wants to do is, is, is go down the right path. I think he's doing it for the right reasons. Um, the unfortunate part is I, I think he should have just done, uh, just made his own platform. So, you know, he thought that um, the plan was, and this is from readings from some time ago, so I don't have an article sitting in front of me to cite, folks, but, you know, he, he wanted to have a platform that was straightforward and didn't have any bias left or right as far as a political standpoint. And people just simply have it as a, as a town square, and he's used that term before. Um, and so rather than building his own, he would buy one and just modify what was already out there. And so hence uh, Twitter comes along. And I think, of course, you know, somewhere along the way, somebody, you know, stepped on his foot and, and uh, made him say, well, okay, I'll teach you, I'll just buy the company, and he did that. Well, uh, along the way, he got rid of, the, you know, certain people that, uh, you know, weren't working right, in his opinion, um, got rid of people, people are leaving, tried to straighten it out, and it looks at how much money was actually hemorrhaging. I think if, if Elon Musk didn't buy Twitter, Twitter would have been having significant problems anyway because they were losing, you know, losing the, uh, their can here. Um, but it was a mess. I mean, there's a mess inside of there. There it appears, though, that their software and how they were doing stuff is, is uh, you know, a decade old. Um, so he's got a mess to try to straighten stuff out, and it's hemorrhaging cash. Now investors are saying, well, we're going to stop investing until we uh, find out what's going on. You have, you know, organizations well, they can't, saying, you can't you know, invest. Like, in, you can't invest yeah. anymore, right? He, uh, he took it private, so now they're, you can't buy Twitter stock anymore, well, right? Yeah, I, I said invest, and I apologize. Not in... Uh, in putting money inside of advertising inside of Twitter. I got it. Okay. Yeah. Um, and so, so, so with that, uh, I mean, there's a lot of issues and problems that are happening on the inside. He's got to get straightened out and straightened out quickly. Um, um, otherwise, it, it very well could be gone. He you know, sold. So. He sold a bunch of his Tesla stock, I think, in order yeah. to cover some of this. What is, what's happening with Twitter? Yeah, is Tesla sold, in uh, danger yeah. because of what's happening with Twitter? No, he's got so much uh, um, money and so many shares inside of Tesla that there's no difference. He sold four billion dollars worth of shares. Um, of, of uh, Tesla to put cash inside of his pocket and continue to keep running Twitter. So, so with that, I think he gets stuff straightened out. He's got a, um, a long history of taking tough problems and straightening, straightening them out. Um, but you know, in his eyes, buying Twitter was cheaper than creating his own platform. Um, so, buying something that was broken, refixing it, I believe, is is still his his plan here with Twitter. Well, so he's going to we'll see how it goes. He's going to do it without me. I dumped my Twitter account last week. Yeah. Um, he. Uh, he can uh, do without my eyeballs and my uh, and my uh, you know looking at his advertising and and, and my information. So and I think there a lot of pe- a lot of people joined <laughs> me in in the exodus from Twitter last well, week. Well, they and, hit a, a record number of uh, subscribers last week at two point five uh, million. So 
Um, well, so but did he, they announce yeah. how many people left? I mean, I mean, because yeah, well, there, there are a lot of people that left and, and just don't want to deal with it anymore. And, and like I said in one of my other posts, I said I felt less toxic almost immediately because let's face it, Twitter became a toxic waste dump of negativity uh, yeah. in, in many cases. All right. Well, what, I tell you what, we need to take a news break here. When we come back. I want to learn more about your, the conference you were at in Washington, D.C. And maybe you can tell us some of the other things you were discussing there and some you of the it. other things that uh, your clients will be looking forward to your expertise on from that conference. We'll do that when we come back after our news break on WSAU. If you came across a child struggling with hunger, how would you recognize them? By their clothes? Their age? Life doesn't come with a remote control. So you're on your own with the wasps. You have the power to take control of prediabetes. Visit doihaveprediabetes.org today. That's doihaveprediabetes.org. Brought to you by the Ad Council and its prediabetes awareness partners. And we're back. I'm Tom King in the studio, joining with the Merle Kelch, who is in the Northwoods, but can take your questions, 715-845-2155. You said you were at a conference in Washington, D.C. this week. One of the yeah, things you yeah. talked about was Social Security. What else was on the docket out there? Well, uh, first of all, um, you know, President Biden wanted to talk to me, but I said, no, I don't have time. So so I passed up on that meeting with him because, mm-hmm. you know, he's got mm-hmm. other things he's got to do. Mm-hmm. I was a tempted humor. But we did see Marine One uh, go over the, the helicopter at the White House. When the helicopter, that was pretty cool, actually. But, you know, so, so one of the, the, the biggest things that I took from this is, there's some products that are coming out again, and the reason I say again is there was a company that had some products that would do this, but uh, then they stopped providing or selling these products a number of years ago, and so there's been kind of a void in it for a while, but and it comes into irrevocable trust. And so, um, by the way, folks, speaking of irrevocable trust, next week um, our good friend uh, Alan Hulgum will be doing the show as I'm, I'll be up here in Northwoods trying to uh, you know, do Kill the, Bambi. Uh, the annual, the annual uh, hunt thing. And uh, so, so I'll be up here. So Alan will be doing it. So ask him really complicated questions. Would you look <laughs> up stuff online just to stump him? Uh-huh. Yeah. So, so in here, irrevocable trusts are a fantastic way in which you can help bypass stuff from a nursing home standpoint and without getting inside of the, the details of how that happens with an irrevocable trust. We'll let Alan uh, tackle that next week. But, you know, the thing with an irrevocable trust is they work great from a nursing home standpoint and, and trying to, you know, bypass those assets from going to the nursing home and going off to your family instead. Um, but there's also an issue with irrevocable trust and trust in general uh, from a taxation standpoint. So many people don't know it, but, you know, irrevocable, I'm sorry, irrevocable trust or trust in general, not revocable trust, I have to say that, uh, but irrevocable trust and trust in general have a big tax problem. And the tax problem is, is that <clears throat> over, I think it's $13,000 a dollar amount now, um, but after that, the tax rate starts at 37% and goes up from there. And so you look at it and say, well, geez, the trust can only make you know 12000 bucks, 13000 bucks, and the taxes go up. Yep, the answer is that's correct, and it starts at 37%. So how do we address that then? So, Tom, if we you know take your money and we say, well, we're going to put it inside of an irrevocable trust and we're going to name all the assets inside of it, <clears throat> excuse me, and, uh, um, and, oh, by the way, you can't make more than 13000 otherwise your taxable rate starts at 37%. Well, that's, Tom as though you're, you're making half a million dollars a year from a tax standpoint. So how do you address that? And so from that, then, we have the ability now to use, once again, um, use annuities to hold that. And they have to be annuities that are addressed in a certain way. And, and so that was a big conversation this year as, I'm sorry, this, uh, this conference, um, as a result of 
you know, taxation and irrevocable trust becoming so popular uh, as a result of it. And so there's a few companies that now create annuities to do exactly this type of thing. So you have the ability to take that money um, that's owned by an irrevocable trust and the irrevocable trust owns the annuity. Um, you still retain control of it, of course, um, but you don't have that taxable event because it gets deferred with an annuity. So that was a big conversation this week. And so um, we're still digging into all the particulars of it, um, but it solves a big problem for people that have used irrevocable trusts to bypass nursing homes. And so that's really been a, a big conversation that was out there. Now, you're not, you haven't been a big fan of annuities over the years. Is, is this annuity different in some way that uh, makes it more palatable well, for you? Um, I've been a big fan of annuities, and we actually use them in our office for clients. Um, but they have to be done for the right reason. And the unfortunate part is I've seen over the years so many annuities that were done, but all for the wrong reasons. And annuities, boy, they, they're almost a whole subsection of, of investing in themselves because you can use annuities as insurance. You can use annuities as investments. You can commingle the two and actually have investments that um, in all in all essence are, are insured. And, and, boy, I hate to say this, but there's a lot of people in the financial world, in my opinion, that don't understand them, and they're selling them, in my opinion. And so this is the Merle Kelch gut test, uh, essentially, because annuities are great. They can be awesome, um, and we use them, but they have to be done for the wrong reason. That's the part that really becomes an issue, in my opinion, on annuities. Well, how do you know if you're a client of a person who is trying to sell you an annuity that doesn't really know what the annuity does? How how how, is a, how does a layman know that? I mean, most most of the clients probably don't know how annuities actually work. So you know, the unfortunate part that about that, my friend, is is uh, if you don't know how an annuity functions, and somebody's trying to sell you one, they can tell you anything they want to. Yeah. <clears throat> and it's unfortunately it's sad, but it's true. So we're we're going off from uh, the, the DC part, folks. But you know, <clears throat> excuse me, um, annuities. Um, there's so many insurance agents that sell annuities, um, which is different than people who have a securities license and sell annuities. And the reason I'm saying that is because the stuff that an insurance agent is going to sell you in regards to annuities is entirely uh, differently um, handled from a compliance standpoint than people have a securities license and sell them. So if somebody has a securities license and they're selling annuities, they have a, a background from a compliance standpoint as far as is a product right? Do they have training? I myself, like everybody else in our industry, we have to take continuing uh, on an annual basis, continuing education on regards to annuities and how they function. When a company comes out with a new product, uh, we have to take training on how that product functions. As we have the insurance agents who don't have a securities license, they generally don't have that stuff, and they can sell the stuff however they may want to in products that you know may or may not be good for anybody. But, you know, so that's one of those things is a personal financial professional or the insurance agent. That's one of the biggest things you can try to, to look at to try to differentiate if somebody's trying to sell you something or not. All right. What else happened in D.C. that we need to know about? You know, another thing I think is, has been big out there is the transition of money from uh, the baby boomers uh, to the next generation or even going, Tom, from, uh, you know, our parents coming down to you and I and our generation. So the assets that are moving, the, the uh, enormity of it is just massive. There's just a huge amount of money that's coming out down to our generation. And then, of course, that generation going down to our kids, Tom. 
And so the big part of this whole conversation was, um, one, education of you and I, and as well as our kids on money and finances. Now, the generation before us seemed to do a better job at educate, educating themselves. Um, now, I don't know if it's as a, as a result that things are more complicated and there's many more services and products, um, but largely um, it's about educating ourselves and making sure that money transfers on a regular basis. I'm sorry, an orderly basis. Um, and uh, it comes to us, uh, you know, tax advantage and how we do that and all that sort of stuff. And so that is a big push on stuff. And, and part of that was conversations about fiduciary. And, uh, you know, we've had a conversation with Alan live inside of the, you know, the show that we called in one time and we both talked together. But, you know, there's so many companies out there saying, well, I'm a fiduciary. I'm a fiduciary. Well, you know what, folks? There's no set of guidelines that says makes you a fiduciary. There's no checkoff list. There's no box. There's no secret handshake. Um, the fiduciary simply is a person who has to act in the best interest of the client. And so this is a big conversation they had out there and says, you know, what, what do we do to be a fiduciary? Well, in our industry, from a security standpoint, whether you say you're a fiduciary or not, we have this regulation called Reg BI, which stands for best interest. Um, and Reg BI continues to keep getting uh, more and more um, pronounced in the paperwork. Um, you know, so there's things that you have to do out there. If you're doing some certain things with the client, you have to fill a form with a Reg BI, and you have to disclose to the client why it is we're doing this, what are we doing, what are the costs, what, are, well, what else might work, why did you choose this one, what's the product. And we have to document all that stuff. And we've had to do that in this industry for the last number of years, but it keeps coming back to, um, uh, working with an individual and making sure you have notations why you did something with a client, which is something, you know, in 30 years in this business, we've done anyway. Now, we've had to make the notes a little bit better. And, uh, uh, you know, my assistant Kim is already sending me some texts and saying, why are you picking on me? But that also <laughs> means that my handwriting has to be better so she can read it, you know, that type of thing. But um, as documents have been out there, and so all part of this, you know, whole thing of transferring of assets and why are you doing something? It has to be in the best interest of clients and all that sort of stuff. Is is was a big theme that the transfer of assets, irrevocable trust, and the toss cost going on. And it all comes down to this transfer of money and what's the best way to do it for individuals. And that's the biggest thing that we had throughout this whole week. You know, it's interesting when we have Alan on and and you as well talking about you know, avoiding taxes on investments, avoiding taxes on estate planning. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, the idea is everybody needs to pay their fair share of taxes in order to oh, keep sure. society running, but you don't want to pay more than your fair share. And so that's Precisely. why some of the, yeah. some of these uh, things have been developed. I would imagine in Washington, that is a, that is a, a tug of war that is ongoing between your industry and the uh, folks in Congress and the folks in the IRS and the folks in the, the, you know the uh, uh, nursing home industry with their uh, with their paid lobbyists to try to you know protect their interests. Yeah. Uh, I would imagine that came up as topics of conversation that push and pull between the paying of taxes and the covering of expenses and protecting people's investments and assets. Oh sure, uh, you know there's a, a a thing that was out there and it was actually Judge Leonard Hand that had did it. Um, he wrote an article that said, you know, taxes, uh, we, we elect to pay taxes or elect to pay more taxes or less taxes. It's our choice. And part of the things he said is that um, and in his article that he wrote is that I can elect to pay the toll to go from where he lived to go into uh, downtown D.C. He said I can elect to take the bridge that takes a toll. He said I can also elect to take the bridge and going in a different direction and not pay the toll. He said so I have the ability to pay the tax or if I choose to legally pay 
no taxes by taking a different route. And we all have that same ability inside of our taxes. We can either pay the tax that we see or we can look at things to try to help ourselves pay less taxes. So, of course, we have to do it legally because otherwise it's called tax evasion. And there's a difference, Tom, between tax evasion and tax avoidance. And it's about 10 years. <laughs> and yeah, so we yeah. can do that and we can actually avoid, you know, paying tax. I'm sorry. We can actually, you know, reduce our taxes by moving the money in a different place versus um, just simply not paying the taxes. And we all have that ability. And so by asking around and seeking financial professionals and accountants and attorneys and talking to these people, we can find different directions and places in which we can, you know, reduce the amount of taxes that we pay. <laughs> Excuse me. Boy. Um, and so... So with it, um, you know, that becomes part of the conversation, again, of how do we transfer money from one place to another? Now, this reminds me of a, of a, a client that we'd had for a long time and, and may or may not be listening. Um, and, and, you know, we differed uh, between them and myself from a political standpoint. Um, but um, what I thought was interesting is that there was a big inheritance that came. And so the inheritance that came to them, of course, uh, in itself wasn't a, the taxable event, but... Uh, the money went from, you know, inherited in, in January, went up in value before the money actually came in hand to the latter part of the year and had to pay taxes for the course of that year because it's normal income taxes. And so along the way, the conversation is, you know, you had pointed out and said, well, we have to pay taxes, we all have to pay our share. And that was okay until this money was inherited and then the taxes went up and had to pay a whole bunch of taxes. And this person didn't want to pay that. I said, well, welcome to the Republican Party. Ah, mm-hmm. Well, they're not my client anymore. But <laughs> <laughs> all right, all right. I tell yeah, you but, what, we but, need to take a break know, nobody here. Nobody likes taxes, uh, and tell you, you know, you know yeah, un- taxes. until yeah. they have to drive on roads and you know exactly. do all the things yeah. that taxes pay for. Yeah. All right, seven one five eight four five twenty one fifty five. We're going to take a break. We'll come back with more. If you have a question for Merle, give us a call. We'll be right back on WSAU. Now this day, here's Chris Conley. You've probably never heard of Peter J. Berkowitz, but he is a legend in the music recording business. Meet him on this day, November 12th. This is an American Red Cross blood donation alert. Happens next. Happens here. Freedom is here to stay. WSAU. And we're back here in the studio. I'm Tom King. Merle Kelch joining us on location today, 715-845-2155. If you have a question for Merle, well, we've got a few minutes left. What else is on your mind this week with the market going up as much as it did? NASDAQ adding 1.9%. Uh, are the tech stocks more of a, a need a more of a look-see from your perspective at this point? Well, you know, the thing I like about the tech stocks and the things that are going on is, is is that people are coming back to saying, well, hold it, maybe they were just oversold. Um, and that may or may not have been the case. Uh, my personal opinion is that they were oversold simply because, um, you know, so many of the companies, you know, Amazon, for example, and others, uh, they jumped up so high during the pandemic as far as new business and people had that expectation they're going to continue on in that pace. This is the old thing that happened once before with Microsoft. If you remember Microsoft years and years ago, everybody thought they were going to continue to keep growing at the same pace that they were, and they didn't, and eventually all companies mature. Well, we didn't have a, a, a maturation, if you will, of Amazon, for example, but um, people started shopping at physical stores again versus so much online. So we'll have to see what happens, but, you know, there's there's nothing wrong with that industry. Um, it just had its time where people are staying at home because of the pandemic and it slowed down. So as a result of that, I think their stock prices got way oversold. Um, it dropped on the, the old infamous uh, FANG stocks, dropped down considerably. 
Um, and I think they're stabilizing. People are looking around, saying, "Well, I mean, you know, maybe maybe we're okay. You know, things are still going to be fine. We're still going to continue to spend." Now, there's one thing, and this goes back to the article we were talking about before uh, from Jeff Cox on uh, CNBC is the article, and and that is durable goods. So, you know, durable good purchases have been on a decline since um, uh, mid-21, and and so that means our washers and dryers and that kind of stuff, we haven't been buying that stuff, and it's coming down a little bit more. And so I think that's leading us to an an indication that there's a recession that's, that's on its way. Um, I believe that we're going to have a recession next year. Um, it only makes sense because of the interest rates where they are. Though mortgage rates have dropped, um, they dropped because of uh, the inflation numbers being so good. Um, but they're, they're going to go back up again just because of the interest rates where they are. Um, so I think we see a slowdown in the economy coming up next year, and durable goods orders continue to keep pointing to that as well as everything else. So essentially what's happening, Tom, is people who, out, who are out there and have cash are holding on saying, well, let's hold on to this in case we're going to have a rainy day next year in a recession. So we're seeing some of that stuff uh, kind of happening from that standpoint. So uh, our friends in Michigan, um, of course, pointing to consumer sentiment, which is saying the same thing. You know, their uh, consumer sentiment um, uh, articles showing that uh, people believe that the economy is going to get a little bit tougher throughout the course of August to September and September to October, um, not knowing um, that uh, inflation dropped inside of their articles at this point in time, so we'll have to see for another month. But um, I still think we're going towards a recession um, next year, and uh, durable goods and other things are still pointing to that direction. Well, there was a story today that uh, the holiday season, uh, it looks like people are not going to spend as much on gifts this Christmas season as they have in the past, and that's got some retailers worried, of course, because they make most of their money here in the third qu- or the fourth quarter of the year. Well, I sure hope my wife just heard you say that. <laughs> and- <laughs> mm. It's not going to happen at your house? Is that what you're saying? Well, I don't know. Yeah. It's, you know so uh, my lovely bride is down in Florida, and I know she's not listening, so I get to talk bad about her. Yeah, all right. Um, uh, but she said, I'm going to do all my shopping right away. And I said, yeah, um, how are you going to bring it on a plane? She goes, well, I'm going to ship it online. Well, she's notoriously horrible shopping online, so hopefully we're going to save a lot of money All right, uh, because she doesn't know how to do this. Well, you'll have to let us know how that all works out. We're out of time for today. Uh, if folks want to get a hold of you on Monday, how can they do that? Folks, Monday morning we'll be in the office at 3rd Avenue and Bridge Street. Uh, we'll be there bright-eyed and bushy-tailed. Well, maybe Kim will be. I'll come in later. Um, but <laughs> Stop in, say hello, kick the tires, have a cup of coffee. Um, you can give us a call locally at 715-849-3600, outside of the Wassa area at 866-355-5100. Find us online at kelchinassociates.com. All right, we'll talk to you again next week. All right, my friend. Merle Kelch, Kelch and Associates here in Wassa. We're coming up on 9 o'clock. We've got the news on the way. The polka shows will be available for you today because Badger football is later in the afternoon. Wisconsin playing at Iowa, and uh, we'll have that game for you with the pregame show at 1230 Packer football tomorrow, the Packers and the Cowboys, a late afternoon kick from Lambeau, and we'll have that game for you tomorrow as well. All right here on WSAU.